Hey everybody, it's just Dave. DC's not here. Well, he's going to be here in a minute. We we have an episode for you, but just a quick PSA. We need you to subscribe. That is the way that more people find out about Seeking Wisdom because it climbs the charts in iTunes. If you subscribe, you don't ever miss an episode. If you've ever listened to a podcast, they tell you to subscribe and we're feeling it firsthand. We want you to subscribe. So do us a favor. It doesn't matter if you're listening on iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, SoundCloud, whatever. Just do us that one favor. If you're a fan of the show, hit subscribe. Maybe you'll even leave a review. DC will ask you more about that later. So please, subscribe. Thanks for an amazing year. And let's get into this, the final episode of Seeking Wisdom in 2016. And we're back. This is it. This is it. What is it? This is the end. Well, this is the last podcast of this year. But I mean, it's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. Should we be sad? No, because people get sentimental about this time Mm -hmm, of year and mm -hmm. they like to make resolutions. Not me. I say, let's get it. Yeah, we're always looking forward. Mm, I love it. So I did a little look back. I did a little homework. I did a look back at some of the more popular topics from our podcasts I think what we're going to do today is we're going to spend the last episode of the year, we're going to talk through some of our most popular topics, mm-hmm. which pretend like people may not have never listened to this before. Because we want them to kick off 2017 mm. in the right way. Yeah. This, isn't a, uh, this isn't just a recap. This is like, how do we start 2017 on the right foot? Right. Lessons from 2016. Yeah. So we're going to hook you up with like, I think there's one, two, three, four, five, six-ish topics that we'll, we'll run through. But I got a question for you first, actually. Hit me. What did you learn in this first year of doing this podcast? Good question. I think the, the biggest learning was the simplest. Just be ourselves. Yeah. Uh, let's just have a conversation like we have every day. Be natural. And people self-select in versus trying to be like anyone else. Right. So we That's, learned we learned our mojo. Yeah, we did. And it takes, you know, it's like anything. It takes reps and sets. Like it took a while. It took a while. Mm-hmm. We threw away a lot of episodes in the beginning <laughs> where we tried to be... Too scripted. Too scripted, yeah. too structured like everyone else. Yeah, but instead. I think that says a lot about like what people are interested in today. It's not mm-hmm. just the us thing. It's like you have mm-hmm. to be... This is something we talk about at, from our brand perspective mm-hmm. all the time. You have to be authentic. You have to be real. Yeah. And when we made that switch to just be more like we're hanging out, having a conversation, I think the download numbers followed. Oh, absolutely. And it's funny now because people who listen to podcasts who come into the office... And hear us talking, they're just like, wait, wait, this is exactly like the podcast. There's no difference. (laughs) All right. This was the other thing I want to ask you. Do you feel like Seeking Wisdom has had a impact on our our business? Absolutely. Really? Yeah. Can I measure it? I agree with you. I agree with you. Can I measure it? No. Yep. No. uh, Not easily. It's all anecdotal, so people will get nervous about that. But the number of times we hear from (laughs) candidates, friends... Uh, professional friends, personal friends, uh, new customers, and anyone that we encounter, the, the number of times we hear them say, seeking wisdom is amazing. Yeah, it's basically every, every new candidate that comes in our office, you, te- you text me all the time. You're like at some random like, you know, book club with a bunch of mm-hmm. guys from your old town, and they're like, oh, we listen to Seeking Wisdom. Crazy, all <laughs> surgeons and doctors, right? Awesome. And uh, actually, I had a gathering at my house on Christmas Day, and, and it was just a bunch of personal friends. You know, no one 
in our world, no one in technology, right. no one that I even knew even listened to a podcast. And uh, <clears throat> a couple of people that were there were just like, well, I listen to Seeking Wisdom. I was like, what? <laughs> Why do you listen to Seeking Wisdom? <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. They're like, yeah, I listen to every episode. Yeah. And I was like, what? <laughs> it just blew me away. I was like, why are you listening? I was like, I pretend that nobody listens. I love it. All right. So funny enough, this would be actually, this would be episode number 50. Nice, Five zero. nice number. Mm-hmm. We put in a little work. One 15-minute episode a week. And that's where we're at. Um, all right. So here's where we're going to start. First topic. First topic, this was like the first topic that we did, which was uh, how a modern product team should work. Wow, that is a long time yeah. ago. Huh? But I, okay, so first of all, explain this, and then I bet you that your thinking has probably even evolved since. Yeah, since then. so we did this this podcast and we did a blog post on this, and I've talked about this a bunch in 2016 in different formats, but I've been on this journey the last nine years, this religion around building customer driven companies, teams, etc. And in some ways, in many ways, actually, in all ways, Drift is the manifestation of Mm -hmm. all of this because we are building software to help the next generation of companies be closer to their customers. And uh, so I wrote this, we did this podcast and we did this blog post on how a modern product team should work. And basically the thesis there was that instead of having roadmaps and features and, um, you know, release dates and all of these kind of things that we're used to and conventional wisdom tells us about, uh, instead of having those, which all, in my opinion, optimize for the company and optimize for the process, let's figure out a way where we could build teams that are centered around the customer and that we always measure success in terms of the customer. And that will uh, realign how you think about teams, throw away a lot of conventional wisdom, and really focus everyone in the company, right. and especially product teams, on being customer driven. So so your key like your key ingredient in this model though, which I think is a change for a lot of people, is really small, fully autonomous teams. Yeah, and we reached that uh that's important because we we want as much independence within the team as possible. So the smaller the team, the more independence uh the easier it is to have that independence. And uh we want them to be autonomous and we can do that only when we totally align them with what we think success for a company will be, which is happier customers who use your products longer over time. And in that case, we measure, uh, we create measure ways to measure success, which are customer metrics that tell us that that product team or product teams are being successful. Right. But your thing is like you try to keep it, No, there's no vanity metrics. No. Like let's cut out all the bullshit and let's say like, what is the number that we're trying to move? Let's Mm -hmm. say it is retention, right? You want lower churn. Yep. All those teams' metrics have to be aligned around that. Exactly. We'll be aligned around that customer metric. That's a good one. Uh, Usage frequency is another good one, which is like how for every new feature and every feature that you're building or whatever it is kind of product that you're building in the world, how often is it being used? How often is it being used by different types of customers, high-end customers, low-end customers, uh, younger customers, older customers? We look at all those different team things and say, you know, is a team being successful? And then like the thing that you never... (laughs) <laughs> that's a change for a lot of people that are used to like agile and waterfall is, uh, you know, hate like, yeah, yeah, I know this is an issue, but we'll put it on our roadmap. Yeah. Oh, forget it. That's man. the one that makes your blood boil the most. Yeah. Yeah. We'll put it on the roadmap, which means, you know, that's the equivalent of saying, fuck you. 
<laughs> right? That's the modern, that's a modern, uh, yeah. you know, politically correct office speak for fuck you, like we're <laughs> never going to do it, right? And so, no, we, forget putting it on the roadmap. It's either a priority or it's not a priority. And uh, who is it a priority for the customer or for yeah. ourselves? So, so that was a big theme, like throughout this whole um, podcast this year. But before we move on to the next topic, one there's, I think there's one mistake that, that you mention a lot that a lot of people make when they talk about this. So, mm-hmm. you know, autonomy is like becoming more of a team thing now, right? Like yep. giving employees all the power and everything. Mm-hmm. But the number one mistake that people make is that they assume that autonomy equals accountability, right? Like you yeah. don't – you have to be – this model doesn't work if you're not accountable. Yep. What they don't miss is – what they do miss, I should say, yeah. is that, you know – there's this kind of um, give and take on, on autonomy. And on one end is autonomy and the other side of accountability. So it's the flip side of autonomy is accountability. And you can't have autonomy without accountability. And so people who try to argue for autonomy uh, usually don't want accountability. Or sometimes, I should say, sometimes don't want accountability, which is, in that case, it's not autonomy, it's anarchy, mm. right? And so you don't want anarchy, you want autonomy, but you have to have the right level of accountability there, ideally accountability to the customer instead of to the group or to the company. And I think that'll move you in the right direction. All right. So topic number two, that was topic number one. Topic number two, how Mm -hmm. to become a learning machine. I think this was like, this was our central, this is how you, how I would boil down seeking wisdom Mm -hmm. into one line. What is it? How to become a learning machine. That's it. That's, this is too long for a tagline. Uh, no, it's pretty yeah. good. It's pretty. It's like the central theme. I think theme. it's the central theme yeah. of Seeking Wisdom. It's yeah. the central theme of everyone who works at Drift. Yeah. Um, and, you know, is that we all are obsessed with becoming this kind of better version of ourselves yeah. and, and becoming these learning machines. And we kind of like have a bias towards people who are these learning machines. What's your like, okay, so for the people that might not know you well yet, they're like newer listeners. What uh-huh. is your, what's your like learning framework? Like, what do you do to learn? Hmm. Uh, do a lot of things. I think uh, one, the meta thing is, or the overarching thing is to constantly be pushing yourself into uncomfortable situations mm. because it's only through discomfort um, that, you know, growth comes. Whatever kind of growth you're looking for, it doesn't have to be, it could be intellectual, it could be physical, whatever it is, it's you're going to go through some level of discomfort and pain uh, in order to grow, right? Because you're going into new areas by definition that are unfamiliar, that you don't have habits around, that you're not good at, that you might suck at. And so you you need to push into those uncomfortable mm-hmm. areas. And so once once you have that framework, then you have to think about, well, how do I how do I fast forward that? I can one on one end, I can try to learn by brute force and just learn on my own. Learn through mistakes. And there's nothing and I think you need to make a certain level of mistakes. We all do. Uh, or you can say maybe there's a faster way. And I think the one uh, faster way that I've learned, the only one, is to actually learn from others' mistakes. So first, you try to learn from others' mistakes. If you can't learn from others, then then you're going to need to make some on your own. And when you want learn from others, there are a couple ways you can do that. One, the easiest way is reading. That's the easiest and cheapest and uh, the biggest bang for your buck. The other is uh, dealing with different, putting yourself into different situations where you deal with different people, peer groups, mentors, role models, and we've done lots of episodes on on the differences between all those things. But what you're doing is you're putting yourself into new areas, new situations where you can learn from others. Like, like let's say I'm trying to get back into cycling right yep. now. 
And so what's the best way for me to get into cycling? I could, one, I could just do it on my own, right? And I probably will, and I am. Yeah. And at, at some point, I will push myself up to a certain level uh, and probably make some mistakes along the way and, and hopefully progress. The other way is to start to surround myself with people who are better than I am and who are interested in cycling, who are more advanced than I am. And by doing so, by going out and putting yourself out in a, in a race or a group ride or something like that, you're going to force yourself up to at least the, you know, ideally the middle of the pack, if not the back of the pack, but probably the back of the pack in a good, good group ride is better than you could do on your own. Right. And then how can I get better again? I can find someone who's an expert at cycling and have them mentor me or, or ideally be a role model for me. Yeah, I love it. So you have a nice segue into the next topic. Oh, what's that? Role models. Mm. Number three, role models. Yep. This is like a key theme that sits across everything. And, and basically, you just you just mentioned it, right? Yeah. But I think the, here's the thing that I want you to, to mention is I think the thing that most people get screwed up is that a role model has to be some person that I have some formal meeting on the calendar every nope. third Thursday to have lunch to talk about my life. Yeah, that's a, a no role model that you want is going to sign up for that. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Definitely, I won't. Right. Uh, right. So, like, nobody has time. Nobody, nobody has that. time, right? So, like, I think the the key word to focus in on how to how to find role models mm. is the word model. Mm. And model uh, for me is all about modeling. And so, the way that you model good behaviors and you model behaviors that you're trying to optimize for is you need to see them, you need to experience them, you need to like learn by observation and by doing. And so. Role models are all about finding people either who are you can actually spend time with or you can look upon from afar and look at their their experience and benchmark yourself against their yeah. uh, against their own performance and their trajectory and their progression over time and use them as a way to gauge if you're getting better or not and maybe look at how you could optimize certain steps that they were able to mm -hmm. optimize. So I, I wrote down something from this book that I'm reading that, mm -hmm. that this is right in line with this. What's that book? Uh, I guess it's not too much of science. Yeah, it's uh, Tools of Titans by okay. Tim Ferriss, yeah, yeah. right? So he has all these collection of interviews. You can skip around. Yeah. It's good. Easy to skip around and find some things. But, you know, I sent this to you the other day because we, we always talk about role models. And uh, this one guy he has in the book, uh, I think he's a Marine general or something like Army general. Mm -hmm. Stanley Crystal. Yeah, McChrystal, yeah. And he talks about... He talks about role models, and he says there's a, there's a, everybody should have a list of three people mm -hmm. that they want to emulate. Mm -hmm. That they he should there should be one. You should have one person who's more senior than you that you want to mm -hmm. emulate. Two, you should have a peer, so somebody who's the exact same level as you, but you think that they're better and doing mm -hmm. a better job. Mm -hmm. And then three, you should have a a, subor uh, a subordinate, somebody who's doing the job that you did like two, three, four years ago, mm -hmm. but might be a little bit better. And then you constantly measure yourself based on those three people. Yeah, when Dave shared this with me the other day, I said, hmm, Dave is finally leveling up. <laughs> Respect. He grew Respect. up. He grew what do you up. think, about, what do you think about his take on that? Yeah, I think that's. I think we've touched upon that uh, yeah. in different ways it's in different episodes. But I like his yeah. simplicity of that framework, which is just like model yourself against three different versions mm -hmm. of what you're going after. Mm -hmm. And that way, basically what he's outlining there is just what we talked about, which is like you need to create your own benchmarks. So what did – what was the – you know? 
current version of you versus the the year from you version you ver- version of you that you want versus the five year version of you like let's look at all those because if we look at every one of those points along the spectrum then we have a trajectory that we can model against and yeah. see our own progression by the way you mentioned tim ferris last episode 49 tim i haven't heard back from you i challenge you to steel cage match what's up stop dodging somebody me somebody tweeted that out too stop dodging me stop avoiding me all right. Don't pretend you didn't Man. hear this. Let's DC's do this. been on the si- indoor cycle all winter. Man, I've He's been ready. I've been on the cycle. I'm ready. Yeah, I'm cycling along. By the way, if you if you're into cycling, hit me up on Zwift. Oh, Trainer Road Strava. <laughs> Look for the uncle. Let's do this. Uh, I can't I can't be this fat all next year, man. No. I need you to got be goals. I got goals for next year. You got goals. Yeah. Uh, all right, number four, innovation, not invention. Mm, 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 mm. applies to more than just product teams tasty yeah that's a that's one of my favorites um and we talk about a lot we haven't talked about it that much at in within drift um recently but i'd say in the first six months we talked about it a lot big time time. and we were talking to the designers and the product teams and everyone that was had their hands in making the product about how important it was to not get confused between invention and innovation. Yeah. And what we want to do is uh, innovate. We don't want to necessarily invent, and that most people get this backwards and they try to invent everything. And invention, uh, you know, invention is all about unique solutions, and uh, which may or may not have be a solution to any problem in the world. And for us, we're looking for existing problems that already exist, and we're looking to innovate based on technologies, patterns, habits, what have you, and combining lots of different things into a novel in- innovation. Yeah, because I think the the thing that you that you have mentioned, which is like, you have to leverage the way people already behave, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you can make something new, mm-hmm. um, but it should be based on a, a, a way that people are already familiar with. Yeah, a with pattern that they're whether it's how you swipe on a phone, or mm-hmm. you know, the, like the example that you pointed out. I think when we did this original episode was like. If you go look at all the calendaring apps of all time, right? Mm-hmm. There's a reason why they're basically 80% similar. Yeah, similar. And uh, aside from having dates on them, they all look a certain way. They all have certain things uh, in diff- on the same places within the calendar, and it's because they're trying to take advantage of habits that we already have built within us, right? Mm-hmm. And we all know how hard it is to form a new habit. So why when you're creating a new product or a new service in the market, would you try to force every one of your users to form a new habit around your product? Why not leverage, if you can, the um, the kind of cognitive thoughts that they have around certain patterns? Like mm-hmm. we have a set of headphones here on the table here. Yeah. If I were uh, trying to solve the problem of which headphones solve, I probably would design something that looks like a headphone, right? And that's why most headphones that you see kind of look like uh, the way they do. I probably wouldn't say, oh, I'm trying to design a new headphones. Let's see if I can beam sound in through my eyeballs and and then go out and sell that. Because that's, <laughs> you know, maybe that'll work, maybe it won't, but that is more about optimizing for the inventor yeah. you'd, and you'd not, go the, out, not the uh, audience. Yeah, you'd go out and you'd take this pair of headphones and you'd go talk to 20 people who don't like these headphones mm-hmm. and figure out what they don't mm-hmm. like about mm-hmm. it and what's mm-hmm. frustrating and yeah. what could be better. And that seems like common sense when you say it out loud, but most <laughs> designers and most people within technology, most product creators don't think that way, right? They they want to have something that has never been invented before yeah. and then try to go find 
basically a solution looking for a problem. I think you have like in the post that you wrote, this actually might have been an internal post on our wiki. You wrote like how a craftsman would build a chair. Oh, no, we posted that externally. Uh, externally, okay. Yeah, yeah, it's on Medium, Medium slash Decancel. Uh, take a look. And, uh, and then Amanda from our team also uh, wrote a post that was called uh, What I Learned as My First Year as a mm. Product Designer. And in it, she actually takes the stuff that we've posted internally, uh, like comparing Slack to IRC clients before, comparing iMessages to and WhatsApp and all the modern messaging apps to... SMS messaging from uh, messages from long ago, calendar apps, email apps, all of these different apps that we may look at and think are new, and comparing them to existing patterns that already existed. Mm. All right, last last topic to to send us out of here: uh, how to work. We talked mm. a lot mm. about work. Mm-hmm. People really hard like this work. Topic. Hard work is a is a key theme. That's what what's a, that's what the Vig and a couple other people <laughs> on the team would say. Like the let me listen to seeking wisdom. Drifted. Hard work. Yeah, they, they're like work here, harder. Here's the re- recap of today's seeking wisdom. Work hard. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. So a couple things under this like how to work bucket that I want to that I want to cover with you. Mm-hmm. So number one was we talked about there's. This is the one thing that nobody tells you about your career, right? Mm-hmm. You have like skills, but they don't actually tell they don't you don't get taught like how to come in mm-hmm. and do work every day. What does that what does that mean? Mm. Like what are the nuances of that? Oh, so deep. This is philosophical, I think. Um, you know, I think a lot of people who um you know, if you haven't worked throughout your schooling career, whatever your schooling career was, like, uh, there are just basic things that you have to learn about, you kind of etiquette around how to work, how to keep people informed uh, with whom you work with, how to um, be a good teammate, all of these kind of things you kind of have to learn um, as you work. And more, more and more people, you know, ha- are not coming into at least, you know, technology workforce with, uh, with those kind of skills, right? Right, they're coming out of right, yeah. Like a lot of people are coming out of college directly into an early stage company where there's not a lot of structure, yes, not a lot of process. Mm-hmm. You know, where if you started your career at a bigger company, you're going to have a really like you might have 30 days of training, then you mm-hmm. might have like mm-hmm. you know six levels of people that you report into, and you might have meetings at this time and that time. That's why it's always great, I think, to at least for early stage companies to hire people who have had some experience in a in a larger company because. Yeah. Usually those companies, one, they're coming from a place where probably wasn't that great, yep. right? Two, they're, so you look pretty good, damn good. Yeah. Uh, no. And, uh, but really, like, they've been taught the process of working, like when to show up, how to, how to, uh, how to work when they're actually at work, yeah. you know, how to deal with people on your team, how to communicate, all the kind of basic things that you would, if you say it out loud and you talk to people about it, you'd be like, yeah, yeah, that's obvious. Everyone knows that. And then if you, when you manage people who haven't had that experience, you're like, holy shit, it's not obvious. Yeah. So there are a couple things that we, that we mentioned that like are specific to this. And number one is like the most underrated thing is showing your work. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. That's something that we talk about that we have talked about this year a bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, why is that so important? And if like, if we're all so connected all the time, why does it matter if I show my work or mm-hmm. not? Why do you think? Because personally, I don't want people wondering two two things. One, I don't want people wondering what the hell I'm doing all day. Yep. Right. I want that to be obvious. Mm-hmm. 
The other thing is like if if I'm working on something that is going to require like your feedback and somebody else's feedback, I don't want to like deliver you the finished thing and be like, here it is, right? Because it's impossible. It's really hard for you to give me feedback at that mm-hmm. point in time. Hey, I just wrote this, you know, 2,500 word thing about this thing that we're working on. And then mm-hmm. you're going to be like, well, this is wrong. And mm-hmm. you got to go rewrite, rewrite it versus, you know, more iterative, smaller steps. Like, yep. Um, those are two big, big things for me personally. But I think like, you know, a lot of people just still kind of live in this world where like you can just go hide mm-hmm. and then you show up on Friday, you know, like at school and you're like, here's my homework for mm-hmm. the week. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting because it's, it's often uh, a type of person who is looking for and kind of asking for an extreme level of transparency when it comes to a company, mm. but are then themselves and how they work very not transparent in what they're doing. And so I think th- for us, this is all about like transparency should it, should be on all at every level and every corner at every thing we do. And so like it's important yeah. to be transparent about what we're doing so we don't have people who are on our team or on other teams wondering like, hey, what does Dave do here? Yeah. Speaking of all right, so speaking of how to work, another thing. Um, what's your? How do you approach one on ones? So one on ones are kind of our thing, which I think are super important that everyone should have, and um, ideally you should have your one on ones a couple times a month, if not, you know, from two to four times a month. Yep. And the one on one should be not the manager's meeting, but the uh, person whose one on one it is. So mm. like, can you say that part again? Yeah, yeah. It's not the manager's meeting. It's not the. It's not for the manager to come up with an agenda. It's not for the manager to ask a bunch of questions of the person whose one-on-one it is. Mm. It's your meeting uh, as the individual, and it's for you to to ask questions. Um, you know, highlight the areas that you're running into issues with, and talk about your own personal progression and where you are along that progression. It's your meeting that you need to drive and you need to own the agenda for and not expect someone else to come in and, and own that agenda for you. Right. I think I, I learned that the hard way in one of my first jobs. You just show up and I'm like, all right, what are, so what are we talking about? And my boss is like, I don't know. I don't know. That's your meeting, This is dummy. your meeting. What do you on, got? Dummy. And like the problem is there's no, you can't say, oh, I don't have anything to talk about. So let's yeah. not have a meeting. Exactly. Right? And it's not to talk about like, what you do on the weekend? Or, you know, what's <laughs> right. going on? Right. You know, what are you doing tonight? Right. Did you see this movie? Right. Blah, blah, blah. It's not about that. You can do that uh, any old time. That's not about a one-on-one. It's yeah, not yeah. talking about what did you eat for lunch today? Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you have for breakfast? How you feeling? Mm-hmm. You feeling good? So speaking of how to work, all right. This this book, the same book, I love it because it has all these quotes, the Tim Ferriss book, right? He, he was talking to... Don't uh, avoid me, Tim. This guy, yeah, Cage Match. We're doing it on pay-per-view. And mm-hmm. no, we'll make it free. It'll be free. free. Everything yeah. ungated. So, <laughs> ungated Cage Match. So Scott Adams, he created this cartoon called Dilbert. Uh, but he had this great quote about, like, there's two paths to become amazing at something in your career. He said, number one is you can become the best at one very specific mm-hmm. thing. Or two, which this was like the eye-opening one for me, is that you can become very good at two or more things. Mm-hmm. And so this is something like, you know, we ask everybody that comes in interviews, we say, what's your superpower? Mm-hmm. But I think this applies a lot to like, you know, learning and how you work and what skills that you're acquiring. It's it's tough to go so deep on that one little, that one skill. Mm-hmm. I like that the one or more, the two, two or more skills yeah. that he mentioned there, yeah. because it's that combination, right, yeah. that can superpower you. And that's, that, that's what can make you unique. It's going to be hard to be the best in the world at a single thing. Yeah. 
right? Lots of competition, but it's the intersection of maybe two totally unrelated things. Let's say market, uh, marketing and design, and you combine those, and all of a sudden you have, like we've talked about before, idea sex, and all of a sudden you you create, you become the best at when it comes to marketing and design, or you right. take, you know, um, product management and design. You know, design or design management, you intersect those things and you become the best at that intersection. Mm -hmm. I love it. All right, last point. This is where we're going to end. I think the most, the one that we got the best response on, I think, was the episode we did called Carry the Water. Mm, What's that mean? It basically means you have to put in the work Mm. in your career. Hard work? Hard work is part of it. Okay. Uh, reps and sets, you might say, is also another part of it. DG, but what about smart work? What about uh, <laughs> working less and working, working nah, smarter, you. not harder? Yeah, working smarter. That, that's, Tell me about that. That's cool to me. Um, that's what every troll yeah, says. It's, oh, not, it's not just working hard. Yeah. It's, uh, work, you know, you got to work smart. <laughs> that's right. Really? I don't, I'm, I'm trying to do both. I mean, yeah, I don't understand. Duh. Also, there's a certain type of person who chimes in with that comment mm-hmm. about working smarter. Mm-hmm. I know. I know exactly but what about what work kind of, life, what about work-life balance? Oh, bro. Yeah. Come on now. So uh, anyway, that's a quick rundown of a couple of the topics. But I mean, why do you think carrying the water was so popular? Because nobody has had nobody has said that out loud. Yeah, I think uh, something has happened in the last like five six years yeah. where there is no longer a chain like so. The Wire, great show. We talk yeah. about it all the time. Chain of command. Chain of command. Yeah. But because we live in this like world today where everything, you know, everyone has an opportunity and everybody can do anything Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that the, you know, most of the people that are coming fresh out of college have the mentality that like, oh, because I can do anything, then there's no reason why I can't. Exactly. So I shared today Uh on the Twitters. Oh, get get ready. I shared this great, great video by Simon Sinek. Mm. What's up, Simon? Mm. Uh, and I will put it in the show notes of this episode. But sure. it was basically sure. around um, this very subject, which was, you know, how to um, about like millennial. I think he calls it like millennials in the workforce yeah. and um, blah blah blah, something like that. But it talked about this very thing, which is this carry the water and how we've set so many people up for this problem that we're running into as leaders of companies throughout the world today. It's Man, it's like, money. I just, I just feel like everybody in their career needs to have somebody who is, who they're like, not fearful of, but like puts them in check. Yeah, I think that's a good thing. You got to be think, put in check. I think that teaches you how to work. I think it goes back. Like I used to have, I had a boss who would redline every single one of my words, and I would spend two days writing it, and he'd send it back to me, and it would be, it would be like no words. <laughs> I would be like, great, I spent my whole week writing this thing. I think everyone, you know, it doesn't have to do with work. I think in every area of your life, you need to be put in check sometimes. And so you need to know what the boundaries are uh, so that we can keep our, without being put in check, there's no control to the ego, right? And we all need to control our ego. And uh, we need to understand how difficult some things are to do. So it's called Simon Sinek on Millennials in the Workplace, 1.5 million views mm. on the YouTube. You watch this today? Hey, man. Watch. My wife sent it to me this morning. <laughs> she, That's how much of a G why? she is. Why? What you guys must no, have been talking about? Nothing. <laughs> no context. Just a link to it. So I just watched it. I love it. That's how much of a G she is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, of course. She keeps the uncle in check. Of course. 
24-7. telling you something. Powerful. <laughs> That's all I need to say. What, Powerful. What, give me the get, – what's the, what's the rundown? On this thing? Yeah. I think – you know, he puts it in a more eloquent Simon Sinek, you know, wherever he's from, Australian, yeah. South, South Africa. You just say carry the water. Yeah, carry the water. And he talks about – Importantly, the important thing is like how we, why he believes we've gotten to this place and why, you know, uh, we need to teach people about progression mm-hmm. and why, you know, you can't take a job and then, you know, within eight months, you know, have a crisis moment of I'm not having enough impact in the world, you know. Or I want to do something else. I want to do something. I want to quit. You know, he said he would go into companies and they would say, you know, he'd meet with different people and they'd say, you know, oh. I think I want to leave. And he'd say, you've been here eight months. Why do you want to leave? I'm not having enough impact. And they'd say, impact is this word that people have been taught, you know, um, when everything was, you know, everything was, would go their way. Everything was offered when they were said that they can do anything in the world uh, and they can get anything and everything that they want. And so how do we get out of this? How do we teach this? How do we, how do we put a, a focus on progression? So Simon Sinek, check out that video. I'll have it in the show notes. Yeah. Also, I want to talk about one thing. Hit me. Hit us. It's the 50th episode. Yes. We're going into 2017 strong. That's right. But the uncle's a little sad. Uh-oh. You know why I'm a I little sad? I, I think I know why. All right. Here's why. Checked. I checked the iTunes. Oh, no. And, um, and I had set a goal. <laughs> Arbitrary goal. Most goals are arbitrary. Uh, yeah. Inside, inside. Yeah. Didn't tell anyone about this goal and no. said, uh, "Those are the best." Let's try to end the year at two hundred reviews. Really? What happened? I checked. What was the number? One seventy-three. No, I know. That I see right now. I know that there's twenty-seven people mm-hmm. in who the haven't, car who haven't left. I know. They're, you're listening to this, and they just thought to themselves, "I haven't left a review." Yet. Attention, twenty-seven people. <laughs> it is. December 27th yeah. now. We have time. If you guys... We have the resources. We showed people how to do it. Okay. It's we'll in, the in the show notes. Oh, okay, it's in the show notes. So let's go. Five-star reviews. Mm. Let's hit 2017 Damn. hard. Yeah, don't right make, between the eyes. Don't make us bring out the Drift t-shirts and, and do the one-for-one one again. Oh, my God. We Come might on, have man. To. 27 of you, if you can leave a five-star review yep. on iTunes yep. before the 31st, we can end the year with 200 reviews strong. Yep. Hit the goal. Yep. Make the uncle feel good. Yep. By the way, I learned something. What? Subscribe. If oh, you haven't subscribed. I saw that. You ran into a little... Uh, you know, a little... I won't call him a troll, but you know... A helpful a, gentleman. helpful gentleman <laughs> who said uh, rankings, uh, star ratings don't matter. Yeah. It's all about subscriptions. So I want both. Yeah. Five-star reviews and... Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't it's already. Subscribe. So it's like it's like skiing, but you don't have your boots clipped. Just hit it. Hit it. Hit subscribe. It's free. It's free. Isn't it free? Do they have to pay for it? No. This is a free podcast. Oh, do they have to pay? If they hit subscribe, do they have to pay? No. Okay. No. So why didn't they hit subscribe? I'm not sure. Okay. Okay. We'll, look, we we'll, don't. We'll think about that. Look, in the future, when Drift is massive, is massive, and we have other, we have time, we'll build our own podcasting, you know, software. Yeah. Because it's too difficult right now. But mm-hmm. just press the button. Press the button. Subscribe, five-star review. We only need 27 more reviews to cross over and be 200 at the end of this year. Come on. I could go stand outside tonight and, and like just you know, wave you people down. So. For all the value we're giving out, all the secrets the uncle's leaking out on this show. Yeah. I mean, we, we've given away so many books to the fans. 
if you ha- if you've received a book from us and you have you, not, wait, wait, wait. you think they might have not left a five star review? Dude, we gave out so many books this year that I honestly like. Uh-huh. We gave away, I would say, at least fifty books this year. Minimum, minimum, minimum. Some of those books were expensive, yeah. like hardcover, shoe dog hardcover. That's thirty dollar book. All right. Damn. Damn. Taking care of people. So five star review. Mm-hmm. Twenty seven of you is all we need. Why don't we go more than? Th- let's go thirty. Let's just be safe. Yeah. Thirty of you. Leave a five star review. We gotta factor go. in. We gotta factor right. in churn. That's it. <laughs> I hope you have a great twenty seventeen. We're gonna be here strong. Next year will be twice as good as this year. Mm. We just need you to hook us up. Peace. Peace. Hit it. Hit subscribe. It's free. It's free. Isn't it free? Do they have to pay for it? No, this is a free podcast.